0: Welcome to Valley Point Church. It is really good to see you. I also want to say hi to everybody who is watching online. This is a great Sunday. It's a great Sunday because it's yet another day to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And we really focused on that last week with Easter, but Every Sunday is another opportunity to just once again remind ourselves that Jesus lives so we get up and we get dressed and we prepare our families to come into a place like this, to come into a community of faith so that we can look to Scripture once again and remember He lives, and because He lives, That matters for us and it makes a difference. So that makes this Sunday a really good day. It's also a great Sunday because scripture tells us this is the day, like specifically this day. It's the day God has made. So we are to rejoice and be glad in it. I hope you are rejoicing In this day, I hope you are. It's a good day, right? It really is. So, Ben already talked to us about our new church app. I think this is a wonderful new tool of engagement. And I want to encourage you to take your phones out one more time and go to the church app. If you click on the just for you along the bottom there, that delightful little smiley face and then find Sunday resources. I think I'm doing that right. Yes, I am. You will notice, get this. Oh, there's talk notes for today. They are right here for you. And I love this because you get all of the scripture that I will reference. There's a big idea for you to feast on today and tomorrow and Tuesday and Yes, I know you're going to do that. And here's what I love. So there's this little section you can tap to add notes. You can actually put in here your own thoughts and then you can download this and keep it and continue to have the big idea and what we have discussed, all of these thoughts roam with you throughout the week. I think that's amazing. I can tell you're really impressed. Now, this will really impress you, okay? This is going to get you. All of the takeaways are right here. So you don't even have to write them down. They're right here for you. And again, you can keep coming back to this. It's a wonderful tool of engagement that is going to help the content from Sunday and whoever may be teaching. It's going to help you carry that with you throughout the week. So take full advantage of this. Now, here's the deal. On Sunday, you can have your phone out, and you're going to look really spiritual if you're typing away. Now, you could be emailing and texting your friends or checking out Facebook. No one's going to know. They're going to think, wow, she's really into this and taking some good notes. So that's all for you to enjoy this new tool of engagement. Please use it, okay? Let's do this. Let's pray together, and then we'll dive into our content. Father, we are so thankful for today and just for the opportunity we have to once again remind ourselves that you live and you matter. And it's good to carve out a few moments just to think and pray and be challenged to sing to lift our voices that way. God, we've already declared to you that you are the peace in our storms. And I don't know what everybody in the room is walking through. I don't know what those who are watching online are experiencing right now. But for all who are walking through a storm, for all who are not experiencing peace right now, God, I pray that you would use our content and you would use the living word of God, that you would use your scripture to just penetrate our hearts and help us to see that you love and you care and we can rest in you. So give us a great time now as we look to scripture And think about what you want for us. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in the second talk of here today and here tomorrow. And our conversation today is going to focus on the ascension account of Jesus as outlined for us in Luke chapter 24. What we find in this great chapter, this great gospel, is that Jesus returns to heaven. His work here on earth is done. He came, he lived, he died, he rose again, conquering death. And then he returns to heaven because his work is complete. But before he returns to heaven, he spends a little bit of time with his apprentices, with those who are following him. And he gives them some instructions, which I think is extraordinary Jesus has been really busy. He's endured quite a bit. He completed his mission. It's time for him to return to his home in heaven. But yet he carves out some time to say, okay, here are some things all of you need to know. I think that is extraordinary. This frightened group of apprentices who doubted, who ran. Jesus is now basically delivering the keys to his ministry, and his mission, and his name. And he is telling these frightened individuals who are filled with all kinds of doubts and questions, you now go and live out the story of Jesus. This is what I want for you. And he didn't wait for them to intellectually process everything that had just happened. Keep in mind, a lot had just happened to them. He didn't wait for them to process all of that. No, with their fears and doubts and with their joy and with their, what just happened to us, right? Because Jesus was alive and then he was killed and then he's alive again and now he's leaving. What is all of this? With all of that stuff happening around them, with all of that emotion, Jesus just basically says, I'm going to commission you to go. And you now take this life-giving message and truth about who I am and what I offer to people. And you share that with everything and everyone that you can with the promise that I am with you today and I will be with you tomorrow as well. So with this theme, we are really going on a journey of walking verse by verse actually more paragraph by paragraph, through Luke chapter 24. This is the last chapter in Luke's gospel. And then next Sunday, and during the last Sunday of this month, we will look at Acts chapter 1 and then Acts chapter 2. So we're kind of walking through this, not necessarily verse by verse, but paragraph by paragraph. Why are we doing this? Why take time to look at the last chapter of Luke and then Acts 1 and 2? Well, here's something we need to know. The book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, is written by Luke himself, of course. We're probably aware of that. But the book of Acts is also written by Luke. And it's basically a sequel. So the book of Acts is this amazing bridge... From the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that talk about the life and the story of Jesus, what he said and what he did. It's a bridge from those events to the rest of the New Testament letters and epistles. Acts and Luke, the first book, and then Acts, the sequel, are very dynamic and important books. And because they are both authored by Luke himself, That makes Luke a very important New Testament author. Now, (laughs) one could argue that all of the authors of the New Testament are really important. But Luke stands out because he's a bit different. And here's what I mean by that. Here's some stuff that we need to know about Luke, the author. And since we're spending four weeks in two of his books, I think this is just good for us to know. So here's some thoughts on Luke. It is likely that he was a Gentile, which would make him the only non-Jewish author in the New Testament. So all of the other authors from Matthew to Revelation, excluding Luke and Acts, the sequel, all of the other authors are from Jewish descent. Luke is not. Again, that just makes him kind of unique because he comes from a different background and a different perspective than someone who would be from Jewish descent. That's not Luke. Here's what else we need to know about him. It has been suggested that Luke was a Greek physician to a Roman family who at some point was set free and given Roman citizenship. So the other job that Luke had, besides writing a portion of scripture, is he was a physician. He was a doctor and he served a Roman family, which would have given him access to kind of the who's who of this particular time because being a Roman citizen was a very big deal. So he served this Roman family. Ancient tradition including some really reliable historians like Irenaeus and Tertullian and Jerome strongly support and state that Luke is the author of the Gospel of Luke and he's also the author of the book of Acts, the sequel, and that he was from Syrian Antioch, which would have been about 300 miles north of Jerusalem in the southeast corner of Asia Minor. These scholars, these historians, state that Luke probably never married. So he was a single man all of his life. And he died at approximately the age of 84. So Luke had a long life, a productive life of being a physician and a doctor, and also one who gathered information about the life of Christ. Luke is a very important. New Testament author, and I share this because he talks to us about the life of Jesus and what he said and what he did and how what he did backed up what he said, but Luke does something a little bit different. He also talks to us about what happened after Jesus returned to heaven also known as the ascension of Jesus. He goes back. He declares that his work is done and he returns to heaven. Luke picks up on that and gives us details about the ascension of Jesus, what he said and who was involved and what Jesus wanted for all of his apprentices while he was away and while he was gone. Luke records that for us and then he continues to talk about that in his sequel. Now, here's something to consider. We often think about the resurrection of Jesus, right? We do. That was last Sunday. That's Easter. And we, we love that day because it's the moment we celebrate Jesus is alive. Jesus lives. Yay! That's a big deal. And as we talked about last week, Christianity hinges on this event, Jesus coming back to life. If Jesus doesn't come back to life, then we're all wasting our time and we could enjoy a lot more sleep on Sunday mornings, right? (laughs) We could if Jesus wasn't alive, but Jesus is alive. He did walk out of the tomb and that means some really important things for us. And we are taking the month of April here. To just talk about his resurrection, his ascension, what he shared and what he said. And then eventually, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the launch of the church. All of this is outlined for us in a chronological kind of way. And it comes with the promise that God is here today. And in the midst of all of these things, which by the way, are really dramatic, Jesus dying and coming back to life and then leaving and here comes God, the Holy Spirit and who is he and what does that even mean? All of these things are really dramatic, but they're bathed or they come under the umbrella of God being with us today and with us tomorrow. Why walk through this? Well, Luke actually gives us some detail about this in the opening prologue of his gospel. And I just want to read this to you. Here's what Luke says, and this kind of answers the why. Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They use the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples having carefully investigated everything from the beginning. So Luke is really careful to give us content here about eyewitness reports of things that were circulating from those who were eyewitnesses and who saw all of this and they investigated these things. And then he states this in verse three, I also have decided to write an accurate account for you, most honorable Theophilus. Theophilus. Theo. Remember that name. We'll talk more about him next week. But Luke is saying here, I have decided to write an accurate account for you, Theophilus. And by the way, this is going to be part of holy scripture. So anyone else who reads this will get to enjoy it as well. So that verse four, you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. Okay, so Luke kind of just rolls this out in his prologue. Here's why I am writing about the life of Jesus. I'm gathering all of these eyewitness reports and I want to give you an accurate account so that you can be certain of the truth of everything that you have. You know, Luke wanted to create an accurate and chronological and comprehensive account of the unique life of Jesus. That was his desire. That's what he wanted: to create an accurate, chronological and comprehensive account of the life of Jesus for two reasons. He wanted to encourage those who had saving faith. like, you can trust in this, you can believe in this. it's real and it's accurate. That's one of the reasons why he shared his gospel. But I think the other reason is to inspire saving faith in those who were not believers. Like you may want to consider this guy and what he said and what he did because he's real. So Luke records all of this for us. And I believe this is true of his sequel, the book of Acts, as well, to give us an accurate chronological and comprehensive account of the life of Jesus, to encourage those who are believers this is real, but also to inspire the saving faith of those who are questioning or skeptical or doubting, like you can trust in this. Okay, with that as a backdrop, here's our big idea for today God's here today. Here tomorrow plan points to his desire to be near his followers. And not just his followers during this time, but his followers, us today as well. And Luke helps us to see this. So with your Bible or your device, I would encourage you to join me in the very last chapter of Luke's gospel Chapter 24, we're gonna pick up on where we left off last week with these two travelers who are going to Emmaus and they meet Jesus and then they're on their way back to Jerusalem to tell the other followers and believers he really is alive. Here's what verse 35 says. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road And how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. I want to pause there for just a moment and recap a little bit. The two travelers on the road to Emmaus. We read about them earlier in Luke chapter 24. It's resurrection Sunday. But their hopes are dashed. They don't really believe that Jesus is alive and they're done. The dream is over for them. Even though they heard the report that the tomb was empty and the body of Jesus was gone, they're like, forget about it. We're done with this. So they were leaving Jerusalem, the scene of all the action, and they're traveling back to Emmaus, just a short distance. But yet that distance from Jerusalem to Emmaus represented the dashed hopes And the harsh reality of life, and they're just getting away from Jerusalem. Let's go back to Emmaus. Well, on the way, as they're traveling, Jesus joins them on that walk. And Luke tells us that God kept them from recognizing Jesus. So they're talking to Jesus, and he begins to share with these two travelers the gospel. So he kind of just unpacked for them the story of Israel as resolved in the story of Jesus. That's the gospel. So it's the story of Israel as, revolved in Je- as resolved in Jesus. He's right there. He's saying, I'm the answer to all of this, and I'm right here. But they don't recognize him quite yet. So the journey continues, and they near their home. It's getting dark. They wanted to be hospitable, so they invite Jesus into their home. Jesus joins them. They share a meal together. As part of that meal, Jesus takes bread, and he breaks it. And it's in that moment that they recognize, wait wait a minute, it's him. It's Jesus. And we remember him breaking bread with us and saying, this is my body, which will be broken for you. We remember that. It's him. It's Jesus. And that's why our hearts were stirring within us as he talked. It's him. And in that moment, Jesus disappears he's gone and these two doubters these two bewildered individuals are now completely energized because Jesus is really alive and they saw him and they know it they know it to be true now here's what I find interesting about these two travelers I think they kind of get lost in the story A lot of people, and of course, the focus is on Jesus and his death and resurrection and ascension, but there are these two travelers who doubt it, and Jesus gets right next to them and affirms them, and they believe, but we really don't know much about these two individuals. Earlier in chapter 24, Luke tells us that one of them is named Cleopas. That's really all we know about him. The other individual is never named. She or he remains anonymous. And I've always wondered, what happened to these two? I mean, they play a pivotal role in history, right? Not just Christian history, but all of history. A dead man coming back to life and talking to them. They were there, but what happened to them? Did they stay in Jerusalem and do the things that Jesus wanted of them? Did joy come back into their lives? Was hope restored or did they just return to Emmaus and go back to life as usual? Well, we don't know what really happened to them because scripture doesn't tell us, but I think it is safe to assume that hope returned for them because they saw Jesus. They knew that he wasn't a fraud and that's why I believe they ran back to tell the other disciples of what they had observed. Author and scholar Mark Buchanan speaks of this by stating, their yearning, and he's talking about the followers on the road there, these two from Emmaus, their yearning was not a hollow wistfulness. It wasn't a whistling in the dark. It was, in fact, a homing device in the heart, drawing them on no matter how long the road No matter that their hearts are slow with doubt and broken with grief, even then, and catch this, especially then, their hearts still burn and they know this journey is a good one and it's never taken alone. It was God communicating to them, I am here today and I will be with you tomorrow and they are about to encounter him again. They are. Let's pick up with the story. Verse 36. And just as they, these two from Emmaus, were telling the others about what they had experienced, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said, which was a common greeting of Jesus. Jesus. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. And maybe that's what you need to hear today from Jesus. Peace be with you. He delivers this over and over again. Verse 37, but the whole group was startled and frightened, as you can imagine, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Still, they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. So it's starting to happen for them like, wow. Then he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? I've had a rough few days and I'm kind of hungry. They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he ate it as they watched. They're just staring at him while he eats. Now, I want to pause here and say, I think it can be really easy to overlook this account of Jesus eating and the followers staring at him. But Luke records this for us, and there is a specific reason. So in Jewish tradition, they believe that ghosts didn't eat. There was no need for them to do that. They didn't have a human body, so they would not consume food. So you can pick up on here that Jesus is addressing one of their fears. You might think I'm a ghost because I just kind of appeared out of nowhere. So give me something to eat because you know that ghosts don't eat. But I'm going to eat so that I can prove to you that I really am human. And while we don't know everything about the resurrected body of Jesus... Obviously, it was different than his pre-resurrection body because he was coming and going and appearing and disappearing. So it was slightly different. We know that he still had flesh on him and he still had a desire to eat. And he invited them in their doubt. Watch this. Just watch. And oh, while you're watching, check out my hands and my feet come and touch me. I'm real. I'm alive. It's true. Verse 44, then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And keep in mind, we're talking about the Old Testament scriptures here. And he said, Jesus, yes, it was written a long time ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem, right here. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. Would you hear that again? Because maybe this is what you need to hear from Jesus today. There is forgiveness of sins. It's true. For all who repent, you are witnesses of all these things. And now I will send God the Holy Spirit, just as my father promised. And here's what I want you to do. Stay right here in the city. Just hang out right here. Wait for it. Until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Then, here's what happened. Jesus led them to Bethany and lifting his hands to heaven. He blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshipped him. That's a key word. I would encourage you to highlight or underline the word worshipped there. Jesus, he returns to heaven. They worshiped him, and then they returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. That's another key word, the word great. Now, I'd encourage you to highlight and underline that as well. So let's think about these words. There are five different Greek words for the word worshiped. The one that is used most often is the one that we find here in Luke's account of what happened. And it has the idea of to prostrate oneself. Or to get really low before someone or something in reverence and respect. And while Luke doesn't tell us that's what happened. You get the picture. It's very possible. That's what they did. And that's how they responded. After all. (laughs) it's not every day you see someone just rise up to the heavens. I mean, they're seeing a lot of bizarre things here. A dead person coming back to life, and now he's just rising up after blessing them. It makes sense to me that even out of fear and amazement of the miraculous things happening around them, that they would get prostrate before Jesus and be very low before him. So I think that probably happened. And then it says they were filled with great joy, That word great comes from the Greek word megas, which means great or large or loud. And I think that's how they responded as they then returned from this great scene. There was mega joy. It's loud. It's great. Verse 53, here's how Luke's gospel ends. And they spent all their time In the temple, praising God. Quick fun fact about the book of Luke. It begins in the temple. And I would encourage you to go back to Luke chapter 1 and you can read all about his account of what happened in the temple. And sure enough, here we are at the end of Jesus' time here on earth, He returns, and now there's a group of followers, and guess where they are? They are back in the temple giving loud and great praise to God. Why were they doing this? Well, I think they were doing this because Jesus was actually alive, and he wasn't a fraud. And so they didn't have to wonder about that anymore. They saw him eat. And they saw his hands and his feet. They touched him. They heard from him. And so they had great joy. Even though Jesus was no longer right there in their presence, they saw him and they knew that he truly was alive and that he also promised them the gift of God, the Holy Spirit. So I'm not going to be here anymore, but just wait for it. Wait for it, you apprentices. God the Father is going to send God the Holy Spirit and he will take up residence within you and you will have power and authority to take the story of Jesus and send that everywhere you possibly can. So that's coming. And I think they had great joy over that. Oh my, what does that mean? What is that going to look like? And when will it occur? I think they knew God, he's with us. Even though Jesus is leaving, he's telling us he's still with us. And that caused them to have loud praise, great praise. And then they were given instructions. Do exactly this. Just go back to Jerusalem and you wait and God, the Holy Spirit will come. Okay, great story. Great information about what happened to Jesus and his followers, What do we do with all of this? What does it actually mean for us? Well, I want to share a few takeaways with you. Here's number one. For the believer. So if you've trusted in Jesus alone to rescue you, if you would call yourself an apprentice, are you following? Are you listening? Are you resting in him? See, God's plan of rescuing, restoring And empowering us to be his witness is comprehensive. It's so comprehensive. I think it should cause us to rest in him. So are you? Like all of this information, all of these details about who God is and his gift and what he provides for us. It's so comprehensive. It should cause us to rest in him. So some questions. Are you resting? Does that describe you right now as you think about God's comprehensive plan of being with you today and his promise of being with you tomorrow? Are you resting? Are you listening to him? Or kind of pushing him out and dismissing? Are you following him? See, I think these are three questions every believer should answer today don't wait for it at some point today just sit down and say am I resting in God the father am I listening to him am I following him does that describe you It should because God is with us today and he'll be with us tomorrow. So we can rest. We can listen. We should do that and we should follow as well. So I want you to think through that. Okay, for those who are curious, for those who are skeptical, it's a little bizarre to think that Jesus was here and he lived and died and he came back to life. then he just took off and ascended and returned to heaven. And do people actually believe this? Did this stuff really happen? And maybe you're wondering about that. Do people really believe this? And I would submit to you that people do believe this. I believe this. Just as it has been... Described for us by eyewitnesses in an accurate kind of way. I believe this. And so, if you're not quite there, here's what I would encourage you to do keep considering. Okay, you're not there, it's okay. Just keep considering what Jesus said and what he did and how that impacts your life today. Because Jesus said some things that were really provocative. And were astonishing. But people throughout the years, a lot of people have said provocative, astonishing things. Jesus also did some things to back up those statements. If you're skeptical or curious, I would just encourage you, keep considering what Jesus said and also consider and investigate and research on your own what Jesus did. And pair those things together. And see if that doesn't impact your life in a remarkable way today. So keep being curious. And then for all of us, here's what I want you to do. I want you to read all of Luke chapter 24. There's 53 verses here. And then I want you to add to that Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. That's the first part of Luke's sequel. Now, what you'll find in the opening verses of Acts chapter 1 is that Luke gives us some information about the ascension of Jesus that he does not give us in chapter 24. Some people think, oh, that's kind of weird, but that was a common thing in antiquity with sequels, that you would review what had happened and you would add more detail and more descriptives. And that's what we find in the opening of Acts chapter 1, the sequel to Luke's gospel. There's more detail about the ascension of Jesus and Who did he see and how long was he here on earth before he returned and what else occurred? We're going to discuss all of that next week. So you have to come back to find out the sequel, all right? And for those of you watching online, you got to come back too to find out the other details that Luke provides for us. I think it is amazing. So I would encourage you to read Luke chapter 24, all of it, and then Acts chapter 1, the first 11 verses. If you use our Monday through Friday reading plan, which you can access on the app there in the talk notes, then you will read all of these verses plus a few more. Now I will say this, if you want to do a little diver, uh, deeper of a dive, then I would encourage you to go to UVersion. There is a reading plan there called A Journey Through Luke and Acts for 40 Days. You can sign up for that. And over 40 days here, which will be done with our theme at that point, but you can keep thinking about it over the next 40 days, you'll walk through the book of Luke and his sequel, the book of Acts, as well. There are videos there that accompany what you find in that reading plan as well as other summaries. And it will help you engage with Luke's brilliant literary design. And you'll also pick up on his flow of thought which is so important to grasping what Jesus said and did, and then what happened after Jesus left. So if you want to go a little bit deeper, there's a way for you to dive into Luke and Acts with that resource as well. Okay? Back to the big idea. God's here today, here tomorrow plan, points to his desire to be near his followers. So this isn't just for people who lived a long time ago. This is for you. It's for me. And may God give us the courage to recognize he's with us today. It's true. He'll also be with us tomorrow. And I hope that you'll join me next Sunday as we continue to walk through all of these things that prove here today, here tomorrow. Father, we give praise to you for what we have discussed in Luke chapter 24 today. We have finished this chapter. We have concluded it. And I love what we find here. It's Luke just saying, I've made an accurate account based on eyewitness reports. And here are some things that happened. And he records for us the story of those two travelers. We don't know much about them at all. But we know they had a significant encounter with Jesus who met them in their doubt and in their frustration. He met them when they were running away and going back home, kind of giving up on the dream. Jesus met them right there. And then he broke bread and they understood their hearts were burning within them. God, I pray and I hope that for Valley Point, our hearts are burning within us as well as we think about God's comprehensive plan to rescue and redeem and restore and to set us up to be his witnesses to live out the story of Jesus and bring hope and joy to others where we live, work, and play. God, as we continue to move through this time over the next couple of weeks, as we step into Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2, use all of this to have a wonderful appreciation for who you are and what you have done for us. We pray this now in the name of Jesus. Amen.